Struggling for Purpose for Wednesday, March 10th, 2021. My name is John Wilkerson. Today I have an interview with Chip and Dana Brown from Storiastic. They are the creators of The Rank Game. Now, The Rank Game was designed, even though it's a card game and it's really fun, it was really designed to get people talking and to get to know each other better and really get people away from their phones, which is why I find this game absolutely fascinating. Both Chip and Dana used to work for Disney. Chip actually produced some of the musicals that Disney put on around the country. Specifically, The Lion King was one that you'll hear about here in this interview. And Dana was an Imagineer at the theme parks And they just took this experience of being creative and thoughtful people and took that and piled it into this very interesting and fun game. I think you're going to enjoy this interview, so let's not waste any more time and get right into it. Chip and Dana, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. Hi, thanks for having us. So it is, it's snowy here in New York. I'm sure it's uh, snowy in Michigan as well, where, where you are. And I imagine that a lot of people during the pandemic have, have been thankful for your game because they've had something to do while they're, while they're stuck in their homes. <laughs> are, are you planning to release a, uh, a pandemic pack? We did actually last, I guess, March or April of last year. We did. It was a print and play and it did very well. And, and actually, it's quarantine, uh, quarantine pack. Yeah, it was called Quarantational Relationships. And it actually did really well. And we also donated proceeds to, I think if I'm doing this from memory, but I think five different organizations that, that offer frontlines, you know, fighters, services, yeah. their PPE. And then also there was one of those five nonprofits was the, I forget the name of it in particular, but they uh, help restaurant waiters and employees back of house who were out of work. It was kind of neat because people could discover the game, which is helpful for us, but also it was, you know, a win for the consumer because they got to play a game that's really fun, but then also improves their relationships. And then also uh, the benefit yeah. of, you know, funding PPE for frontline fighters of the coronavirus. So you just mentioned improving relationships. And if, if I believe, I believe if I'm correct, that's actually one of the reasons you you created the game. Is that right? It is. And I should also say, even though we did the the quarantational relationships back last March, it's still available today. So it's on the rankgame.com and people can go right there and their and their purchase is actually supporting people that are fighting the pandemic. Excellent. So yeah, that is the reason why maybe Danny, you want to talk a little bit about our observations <clears throat> about society's screen time. Problem. Yeah, definitely. So one thing that we've noticed, um, not just during the quarantine, but um, probably even exacerbated more during the pandemic um, is just, we love technology, right? And technology is great, but it can also pull people apart. We have um, our eldest is a daughter at, who's a sophomore at college, and we love being able to chat with her, FaceTime with her, get on the phone with her. Um, but also one thing that we've seen in society as a whole is that, you know, a lot of times as good as these uh, technology is, it can also pull us apart and we can get so into our own Instagram or stories or looking on and having that relationship with technology that it becomes a detriment to our natural 
face-to-face relationships. And so we really, one of the main reasons we say about the rank game really helps uh, to tech less and talk more. And that's one thing that it, it just does um, naturally. Yeah. There's it's when you think about the technology, you know, it's really can be used for good or bad, but the irony with, you know, social media and technology in general, as it relates to telecommunication is that it's designed to bring people together. So it's a great thing when people are apart geographically, they can use technology to be together, but those very technologies actually in, in real time, when people are together, pull them apart because there's the constant, you know, ping going off in your pocket and every one of us are conditioned to go back to that device, you know, whether it's, you know, a 13 or 15 year old is just starting on Instagram or whether it's just work pulling people in, there's no more firewall between the, the lure Leaving of the, the screen. And-, and the second <clears throat> problem I think is that the, what happens in that media is it's kind of fake, right? So whereas, you know, we're designed to be together in community and people crave that and more and more people want authenticity and all those things. The experience in there is very much pseudo relational, right? So it's not really how relationships are supposed to work where there's a give and take. It's more about trying to put your best self out there, which isn't necessarily real. It's not, you might be, especially in this pandemic, people are feeling more and more depressed but in this media, they can put up this false front. And so there you lose that being able to read the body language and being together and be there for each other mm-hmm. on matters of consequence and deeper on a deeper level. Yeah, we've certainly noticed in my family, I have seven kids, five of whom are still at home and they're all teenagers and they all wow. have devices. Right. And so finding those ways to connect that don't involve a screen, it yeah. gets harder and harder. From what I've seen with this game, it promotes conversation. And, right. and a lot of games, it's fun to play them, but they don't necessarily promote conversation. And right. right. We call it the gamification of conversation. We're in an era, this is going back, I remember reading a book called The Entertainment Economy probably 20 or 25 years ago. And their example was the Donald Duck orange juice, which has been around, I think, since the 70s or 80s. And that really, it's just orange juice, but the people that make it realize that there's it's a commodity and there's plenty of choices for orange juice in the grocery store. So, but if you do a Disney license and now Donald Duck is on it, you've separated yourself from the other orange juices. So that's an example from, you know, 20, 30 years ago, but in real time, people are constantly being entertained and even worse amused, right? So an amusement park, it's cotton candy for your brain, right? There's no lasting value. It's very fun and we all love it, but we wanted to make a game that felt like an amusement park ride, but that had all of the ingredients that make for great relationships and great interpersonal communication, which in and of itself is also a reason why we made the game, just observing that even when people do can fight the screen and get it away, and as another tangential, that when you're on a screen, you're looking at a light all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's just exhausting for your your brain Brain and your eyes. Uh, but when even when you do figure out a way to to put that screen time away and and you know put it in jail or in the basket or whatever the trick is, then you have the issue of forgetting how to do interpersonal communication on a society right. level, right? We're out of practice of eye contact, of reading body language, of not being amused, of not having a, an instant dopamine effect, which all the social media have perfected. 
So they all of that scrolling, that motor skill, all the liking, all those things have trained us to have little miniature dopamine releases in our brain. So it is an emotional response, but it's superfluous. And so when you do get at the dinner table, how was your day? Fine. <laughs> you know, it, how do you peel back those layers of the onion? It's really hard to do, even for us, you know? Yeah. So we really, we played a version of this game for more than 20 years. And, and we just, many of our friends who we've done it with encouraged us, you know, to make it available for more people, which is why we made it into a, a product. But it's, it's been delightful to hear back from everyone who plays it, not how great it is, not how the parts, you know, the components are really excellent. Not all those things are great to hear, but the meaningful ways that people are using the game, which is that they're basically just having interpersonal communication. And then there is a lot deeper ways that people are using it, which we can tell you about as we continue the conversation that are more interesting ways than just a family dynamic or friends of ways that people are using the game. You said you've been playing a form of this game for about, about 20 years now. Once you finally decided, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to make a card game. What were some of the hurdles you had to overcome while creating the game? I might first say, you know, our personal background professionally Dana, you know, we met at Disney. Dana is the theme park designer. She used to work for Walt Disney Imagineering. And I worked, I produced theater and sold marketed theater for Disney for Broadway, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast. So both of those things, there's no supply chain. We're really just selling a little tiny piece of paper that gets you into a, an experience. So we wanted to create an experience, but put it in a box and to your point about supply chain and the, the manufacturing and all that stuff, up until I went to go be publisher for Zondervan, we didn't really have to worry about that. They were just, we were creating physical spaces and experiences and then selling access to it, which is a lot like selling airplane tickets because, you know, <laughs> there's a couple thousand seats in a theater or in the case of the parks, a couple tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of, of uh, kind of capacity and you have to sell it by that by the time the date comes around whereas this you know you're you're creating something and figuring out how to make it excellent and then where to source it from and fortunately when i left disney i think it was the third time we've worked there a few different times i ended up in publishing and even as the kindle was coming it was physical books and figuring out where to print them and how to make the best experience and in my case i had the the bible was in my portfolio so that's a you know a very complex book it's more like a reference but even then the paper's really thin but we updated the niv bible translation so i had the opportunity to refigure out is that if that's a word yeah <laughs> to figure out how to redo those in a way that had the benefit of hindsight. So um, when we updated that, there was, I think, 27 different book blocks. Mm -hmm. And we were able to put it into seven book blocks that were more reverse engineering what the reading experience was for the end consumer and then creating something that served their purposes. So for instance, we invented a wax-coated paper or leveraged a, a, a wax-coated paper that would allow you to do deep blacks and dark blues images in a, on Bible paper and have it not bleed through the other side so you could still read the text on the other side. That opportunity necessitated me learning a lot about supply chain and, and how to make the best 
version of what you envision in your head and how to make the best experience for the, the end consumer. And we did a lot of research with this process called the IDEO method. IDEO is a company out in Silicon Valley. When you look at the uh, Business Week top 25 most innovative companies, they're all companies that make things like Apple, Hewlett Packard, companies like that. And then there's always only one agency on there and it's IDEO. And it's because their process is not where you fill out a survey. It's called uncovering latent consumer behavior. So you're actually observing consumers in their home and in their shopping experience. And so like none of us knew that we wanted a phone that didn't have any buttons on it. Right. (laughs) Right. It was observing how people use devices to figure out that that's what they wanted. So we did the same thing with Bibles and reading and, and, and because I did a lot of things that were concept-based and observing the consumer behavior, we figured out that consumers want to read the Bible, but they're not motivated and it's too hard and all those things. So we made versions of the Bible that were easier to engage. Mm-hmm. That's what we did with the game. We, we distilled, it and distilled it and distilled it down to the essence of the minimum you need for this sort of competition, if you will, mm-hmm. but the gamification of conversation and then get everything else out of the way. Our goal is to just deposit a topic and four choices and the rest of their world disappears. And it all becomes about what's important in that moment to the ranker. And that's why the game works. The same reason social media works is that everybody is interested in themselves. So they love the game because it's about them. Right. And then the, the, so that's why it works. That was our first trick. The second trick was the community part. And that's the gamification part is that you can't score points. You can't win unless you look at things through the eyes of the other players. And that's, that's how we were made to be. You know, when we were, uh, when you read the, the account of the beginning of humanity in Genesis and the creation of the world, everything is good, 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 good. There's only one thing that God said wasn't good. And that was man being alone, right? people being alone. And that's really what motivated us to make the game. But if you look at it, you have, there is a, a, an expansion pack called the faith pack, but everything else about it, you wouldn't know it's driven by biblical values, right? right? So f- we were just at a consumer product expo earlier, I guess it was Christian. Monday or Sunday through Tuesday of last mm-hmm. week. So it's Christian product expo. And so it was all these independent retailers, you know, they would ask, you know, is this, is everything in here? Okay. And it was easy to just say, well, focus on the family. It went through their vetting process. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, Jim Daly uh, really enjoyed it and played it with his family and his kids quite a bit, which was sent. So, so it's fun. in the, tra- going back to Disney <clears throat> in the tradition of Mary Poppins about the spoonful of sugar, making the medicine go down. Parents love this game because of the stuff we can talk about on in a conversation with you, all the, re- all of what's behind it and what makes it work. But People, kids, families, friends, they love the game for none of the under the radar things. It's it's just they just love talking about themselves. Right. Right. And they and they love interacting with people that they care about or people that, you know, breaking the ice with people in those awkward moments. So so it really it's the best of both worlds uh, worlds. You know, people enjoy playing it, but we also are accomplishing a mission that's trying to fix some things in society. You mentioned that you you worked for Disney. So when you were there. How did your faith inform your work at Disney? Was it your faith that eventually kind of said, we, we need to leave, leave Disney and, and look for something else? I'll, I'll take part of that, John. It, it's really interesting. So I think there, you know, there's so many divisions of Disney and, and us going back. That's, that's where we met. And it's actually because I met Chip's dad, who was an engineer there, in a Bible study at Disney. 
in my department where we were, there were a lot of really strong Christians. And um, so it was uh, a very high caliber, very um, people wanting to be there on purpose and work there and just a lot of people of in integrity. So for me, that was, it was a great start there. That was in Orlando. Plus I got the benefit of meeting Chip because his dad brought me home for dinner and that's how we, uh, we ended up meeting. So it was a big bonus for me. But when we went out to California, that's where I started working for Imagineering, Walt Disney Imagineering out in California. Um, a lot of the same, same high caliber uh, people. And then, but there's a lot of strong personalities also mm-hmm. at Disney. And that's what, uh, what makes the division I worked in, which was a lot of the theme parks, architecture, design, uh, research and development. And so your faith obviously helps you managing people and working with people and being selfless and a servant leader and um, and with some, you know, strong personalities that you might butt heads with. But the end all goal was to have an excellent product um, and to serve the guests who were coming in into the park. And that was, we were doing it for them and their experience. And so that's what, it was a very self less job that you wanted to to work to have the guests have the best experience possible. You know, I always found that just like in all, every, all the things we read in the Bible, God, you know, accomplishes his agenda no matter whatever we're up to. And the last time I left Disney, it was really because we were, I was on the road all the time and we had a two-year-old who had been on 60 airplanes. We'd pay for Dana's flight. She'd come with me. So it's great, right? We're living in Chicago for a year in a nice hotel in the best room, you know, on my uh, expense account, teeing up that town for a year before the Lion King comes there and making all the marketing deals and all those things. And in the case of the Lion King in Chicago, we actually did a brand new company and did new casting and everything. And Lion King in particular has half the cast from South Africa and then the other, or from Africa, mostly South Africa. And the other half of the cast, um, we did local talent. So it was a really fun job uh, and very challenging and rewarding, but it was the circus, right? So after Chicago and then San Francisco and then Seattle, now you're down to about, you can do about almost a year in Chicago and San Francisco, and then you're down to about 12 weeks at a time. Pretty soon you're at eight week runs and then four weeks. So you're just always moving. You never know what town you're in. So we wanted to be done with that, but I had read, I was on an airplane. I read an article that Microsoft spent $60 million on consumer electronics show, which happens every January in Las Vegas. And they used to, I think, do it uh, in in other towns as well, but it's an enormous show. That's all the latest flat screens and computers and all those things. And uh, so I thought, well, wow, I wonder if I could get a tiny bit of one company's budget in one of these consumer electronics show campaigns then I could probably make a living. And then I could also be free to help Christian ministries look as good as, as you know, whatever the world has to offer. And that was really the back of the envelope vision I had that I could sell Hollywood to corporations and then give those Hollywood production values to ministry. That's, that's what I figured I could go try to do. So we came, I came out of Disney the third and final time so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, but that was, 16 years ago, I think, 14 years ago. And um, it worked, you know, so within a year, I had some pretty good clients and I had, you know, one of them was Belkin and we did a great live show at Consumer Electronics Show. And we did all this interactive training that got awards and everything. 
And the first call I placed to someone I knew to start helping ministries is uh, he was the EVP of Joe Gibbs Racing, who we knew from 10 or 20 years before that. And uh, he said, you know, I said, hey, can you make an introduction to FedEx and Home Depot? Here's these training videos that I've been doing for these other companies and the live of corporate events. And he said, yeah. And I said, you know, I know you're very involved with ministries. So I also want to volunteer some time with ministries and help them make excellent, you know, materials and resources. And he said, let's meet in Atlanta. I'll take you to Home Depot. But first, let's spend a day and a half with chipping or walk through the Bible. And we'll talk about the, what you want to do for ministries. And back, flashback, the second time I left Disney was to do a startup called Lightsource.com, which was broadcasting Christian radio and TV programs on the internet in 1998. So the internet was barely <laughs> there and, you know, it was dial up modems and you could use real audio or, yeah. or whatever. Uh, so I knew Chipping him because he was a client there. We had all the Christian ministries on that. And uh, he had just taken over the presidency of Walk Through the Bible from Bruce Wilkinson, who went to South Africa to start another ministry. And it was, you had this radio ministry from Chip Ingram, which I saw as kind of the Air Force. And then the Walk Through the Bible Bruce Wilkinson uh, operation was like a ground force because they were doing live events in thousands of churches every year. And so everything I learned at Disney about synergy, I figured you could do this with this Christian ministry and really impact the globe because they were very much global and they had 12 leaders around the world. And so it was, you know, whatever I wanted to do, that's what God was up to. And that's what we ended up doing. We moved to Atlanta and in demonstrating his sovereignty, <clears throat> Atlanta is exactly halfway between Dana's folks and my folks. Uh, so it got us closer to uh, the grandparents mm-hmm. as our family was growing with two kids at that time. And so, you know, that necessitated, you know, learning, as I mentioned earlier, how to make products and distribute them. And and that's how I got recruited to Zondervan, which is what put us in Michigan. And it's been great. But, you know, part of it, we design and we just I think God always works through people that are moving. And so we sort of have a loose vision of what we're supposed to do. And we just move forward with the information we have and with whatever resources we have. And then, you know, he we're directionally correct. And then he corrects you by five or 10% and, and you just keep moving it forward. I didn't know then uh, that we were playing the rank game in line in Los Angeles for the opening of the new Getty 22 years ago, I think Right. Mm. that someday all he would work all that stuff together to create scale for that game and help families and friends relearn interpersonal communication and quit screen time, yeah. even for just, you know, a half hour. Getting back to the game. Uh, you've got a, a number of expansions, and I actually noticed on your Instagram account that one, three of the expansion packs people can purchase and, and play without the main game itself. And so, so it looks like you've got a lot of different options. You've got the the quarantine option and and the primary game option. Where do you come up with your lists of things to to rank? Do you have a bunch of people that you just go out to and ask them to? give you some lists or have you been keeping a list for the last 20 years <laughs> on a computer somewhere or yeah well that's a, that's a uh, good thing. there was a list in right. our heads for the 20 years but yeah. there was there was a public record on facebook because you know maybe 10 years ago we were playing a version of it on facebook with just people that we know uh-huh. and those were the people that said you need to make this into something that everybody can have so that's what prompted it. But you, you yeah, I was going to say that um, it's been a fun thing. We've got three kids 
And it's been a fun thing to develop it together. So the our kids have really pitched in and helped us a lot. I think Chip has mostly come up with a lot of the the categories and a lot of the um, the topics. And then the kids have added a lot of theirs. Some of our most popular, like right. there's a card, I think it's in the guys' night pack. It's apocalypse gear, Bible car gun radio. Yeah. And that was our current 17-year-old. I think he was 14 yeah. when he made 14, that 14, 15 when he was And that's it. like people's favorite. It's one of the cards we hear back a lot of right. people love it. Right. But it was, we had more cards than we needed. And so we really vetted it um, through a lot of friends and playtesting and uh, lots of family um, discussion and making sure what's in the, the topics, what's in the choices are some of the most popular things out there. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe since you mentioned the pa- the different expansion packs, maybe we'll kind of uh, talk principally overview. for a minute on, on the, what the product is and why it is that way. And then a look underneath the hood of the topic cards and why they're the way they are. So there were several thousand topic cards that got play tested. And so that's what Dana's referencing. That uh, if you look at all those packs, not counting the print in place, but just the physical packs, there's 688 different cards in there that have been played, you know, a few hundred times each, some of them more so. And then curating them into the right packs was really just figuring out what the market is asking for, right? And so uh, as an aside, a lot of ministry people that I've worked with, they're like, they don't like the word marketing. They don't like the word product. We call them resources. But Jesus was the original marketer, right? And he was the original content marketer because he didn't have a budget. He didn't have like a print supply place. He would just give you a bit of free content and everybody always wanted more of it. And they always told other people about it. Right. Right. So now we're all in his marketing department. Uh, And so that's really, if you're confident in your product, that's, that's what you do. You let people try it. So that's why there are print and play. We don't, you know, some of them originally we did like a Thanksgiving one and a Christmas one that were just free. And when we switched it to paid, we were trying to raise money for these organizations to help, you know, COVID relief. But typically it's just about letting people have an experience with it because that's just smart marketing for us, but also it accomplishes our mission of helping people, you know, be together and relearn interpersonal communication. So the the printed packs, some of them are in tuck boxes and those three that you mentioned, there's actually four that are in the plastic boxes. And those are different because they include the instructions and the a little integrated card holder and uh, the so- score pad. And that's because some stores don't carry games and they just right. don't, right? They don't have the shelf space or it's not their core competency or whatever. But there's a lot of boutiques that really love this game. And so we didn't want them to take five and a quarter inches off of their shelf with a big game. It looks like a game when people aren't thinking about a game and they're in their store. But when they're paying for something at the store and they see this little deck of cards called Relationship Goals or Girls Night or the Faith Pack, it's an impulse buy that you know, that those stores win, the end consumer wins, and it's helpful for us for people to find the brand. And it's also been fun too, like the fact that we're a startup and it's just a family business. Having worked for a Fortune 50 company and worked for a big five publishing company in New York, and it's hard to get a company to innovate and to move and to respond to market opportunities and to needs. You know, so when I say market opportunities, we're talking about ministry needs, things that consumers, people, lay people want. And companies are just not set up to deliver that. They have a long R&D cycle, research and development, and then they are made to have the bean counters squash the innovation 
necessarily so. So for us to just be able to respond to what people want and let them help shape what it is that we turn into products has been very gratifying and, and, you know, just because it seems a lot more meaningful to create something that people want and they're asking for rather than to, you know, figure out how to trick somebody into buying something they may not want. Are there other games that you might have sitting in the back and will we see more games from your company? Well, yeah, I'll say um, it was a side hustle, mm-hmm. but it is the reason I, one of the four reasons that I left uh, Zondervan, Thomas Nelson, HarperCollins was, um, you know, I was doing a lot of concept driven products uh, rather than only products with authors and figured I should probably try to, they, they were very successful and I figured I should, you know, we had to pay for our kids' school. Maybe we should develop some things that can fund their college tuition. Um, but then also we just, you know, this category, we wanted to create an entertainment company, but movies and TV are very expensive. And this is a product category that you, it's the barriers to entry are pretty low mm-hmm. and uh, the cost of goods are not terrible. So you can make a product and price it at $25, $30, sometimes less. We have some products that we can tell you about that are going to be, you know, below $10. Uh, so that's been, um, we kind of had a two-pronged approach to this product thing. And then I went back to doing an agency that I've had for a long time called Proper Media, which is really just a sole proprietorship. It's just me. And then after all these years, I can pull together anything anyone needs for whatever they're trying to accomplish. And that's why that's called Proper Media, by the way. We listen to our clients, figure out what they need. And then we assemble the team to do that and, and use the proper media rather than selling them TV spots because we have a studio mm-hmm. or because we make more money doing right. that or whatever. Right. Um, so that actually took off pretty quick. Everybody, you know, the paying customers, <laughs> clients, they cut in line. So this is now six years later. So after three years of being successful on the proper media side and, and play testing informally, the rank game and, and four other games, we decided to kind of go all in on it, which we did about two years ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it took us about a year to get it to an excellent level where we liked it. And then we did that Kickstarter this time, or uh, November, December of two of two, 2019. Mm-hmm. And then we won favorite pick at Toy Fair New York last February and March, uh, which was great. So retailers took the game in, but of course they all got shut down right. in coronavirus. So it, it's, it, kind of fits and starts, but but this is what we do primarily now. And so we can tell you briefly, unless you, you know, as much as you want to spend on it, some other games that are coming, but um, we have games that are shipping at the very beginning of May. Uh, I think there's three proprietary games and then six different decks of cards mm-hmm. and then two more proprietary games coming in September, August, September. August. Well, it's good to hear that you all have more games coming. As we wrap this up, I had one more question to, to rank some breakfast foods. Uh, so French toast, pancakes, waffles, and bacon and eggs. How would, how would you all rank those? Well, do you want us, like when we play the rank game, there's usually, it's like the newlywed game. There's usually a ranker and a guesser. Uh-huh. So uh, one of us could be the ranker and the other one could be the guesser, or we could both do it that way and see... Why don't you try and guess mine? 
Yeah, we'll do. I'll, okay. I'll try to guess both of yours. So Dana, obviously, I know. To actually, today is our 29th anniversary. Oh, happy anniversary. So I better get hers right. And you, I barely met. So I'll do what I can based on just what I know of you so far that you're in New York and you like games. That's about what I know so far. <laughs> so I'll. So the four choices are what? They are French toast, pancakes, waffles, bacon and eggs. Okay. Now I've got Dana's locked in. Now I'm going to try to get yours. Okay. Okay. So hopefully I'll get a higher score for Dana. For Dana, I said, uh, I'm used to doing this way, DBCA. So that would be bacon and eggs, uh, pancakes, waffles, French toast. And actually I should switch A and C. Oh, yeah. I was going to say almost because, uh, yes, if you switch those last two, definitely bacon and eggs first, um, pancakes, but we're gluten-free and paleo, so <laughs> it'd have to be those. And then French toast. And I don't know the last time I've had waffles. So right. Well, that's and good. that's so that's basically it doesn't matter so what I want. Right. I have to think about her. And so I know her preferences. I know she probably will only eat one of those four things. But pancakes would be second. And then it was kind of figuring out the least objectionable with the other two. And then as I reread them, I was like, yeah, no, we're going to have to do French French toast toast. before waffles. Uh, Because also she's probably picturing like really bad waffles. (laughs) Okay. So, and then for you, again, kind of a stab in the dark, but I'm going with waffles, bacon and eggs, French toast, pancakes. So for me it would be for me it would be bacon and eggs, okay, pancakes, French toast, and then waffles. Oh, okay. see, well, so that, I started to put that, but then I was like, I can't put <laughs> yeah. the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so that's good. And it's it, what's fun too, right? It's like there's four game modes. There's people play all kinds of ways, and I do want to tell you a couple of neat things that other people are doing with the game, real quick before we leave. But you know, it really works if you know each other a long time. There's still surprises, and then very funny moments where people can't believe that somebody did or didn't know something. <laughs> and then also as an icebreaker. Sure. Right. So it just gives people an easy way to have a conversation if, to just grab a topic. Get and, to know and, things and, quickly. And, right. Uh, but just real quick to share, like beyond like families and friends using it, not our families and friends, but just in general, those are kind of the two people that are buying it or families. And then, you know, mostly like, teens and 20 somethings, 30 somethings buying it for in the party game category. But we've, without marketing it to these people, they discovered us through Toy Fair and through Kickstarter and through social media. We're at children's hospitals. We're in corporate environments being used in HR departments. We are at universities, diversity programs, international programs, because the international is kind of using it as to understand, you know, American euphemisms and, and things like that. Uh, but then the include the uh, diversity programs are about the game is an altogether game. Everybody plays it at the same time. Nobody's waiting for the other person to go. And it forces you to look at things through other people's eyes. So it really is a great, I won't say equalizer, but it forces you to think about perspectives beyond your own and specifically about the other people, whoever is the ranker. So that's been really neat. And then my personal favorite is with um, families uh, through an organization helping families with patients of Alzheimer's and dementia, because there's no wrong answer. Right. And so, and it's also really a difficult, awkward dynamic between the family members and and that person. Well, this is everything I'm saying is, is what these uh, clinical people have told me about it. 
that it just gives a quick card that the person patient can, can take and just say, here's what I prefer right now. And it, everybody else can kind of engage with that. So it's just been really neat to see that it's humbling and, and just neat to see that it's, you know, not just being used for amusement, but it actually is accomplishing the main purpose for why we made it. That's really great. I really appreciate your time, Chip and Dana. Let people know how they can get the game. Uh, I'm giving away a copy here on my on my blog and podcast, which th- there'll be details right after the interview for that. But if they don't win the copy that I'm giving away, how, how can they get the game? Yeah, well, uh, the easiest way is at therankgame.com. We are in retailers, and I, I'd encourage you, if you like the game, you're interested, go ask your retailer because we we came out of the gate really well with retailers but you know the more and we just came from a retail show with christian retailers uh but you know the more pull there is from consumers the more likely that we'll expand in retailers but the rankgame.com has all the packs that we have available uh and then you know you can also put your name in there to be notified when the new games come out which is just about 5 weeks from now all right thanks again i really appreciate your time Thank you, John. Thanks so much. Pleasure spending time with you. Take care. I want to thank Chip and Dana Brown once again for being guests on the podcast. I really appreciate their time, and I had a great time talking to them and learning about their game and their philosophy and how this all came about. They have some more games that are coming out, but unfortunately, that content won't really work that well here on the podcast because they were showing me things and demonstrating a few things. So that doesn't really work in the audio format. As a reminder, I am giving away a copy of The Rank Game. If you go to strugglingforpurpose.com slash The Rank Game, you can see the giveaway there and watch my video review of the game as well. Of course, all the links that were mentioned will be over on the website in the show notes for this podcast at strugglingforpurpose.com slash the number 46. You may have noticed a difference in the audio quality between my audio and theirs. I don't know what happened. Something went awry and it was using the microphone from my headphones. I did the best to clean up that audio. So I hope that it wasn't too much of a distraction. That is going to do it for this week, folks. I will talk to you next time. So thanks for listening, and thanks for sticking me in your ears.